You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Most High God, the one who has no equal, who has no mates. We worship you. We celebrate you, Most High God. We worship you, Adonai, Master, King of the entire universe. We worship you. You be honor and you be praised forever and ever. You open doors that no man can shut. Thank you because of the doors that you are opening. Thank you, Lord God, because the adversaries have nothing to do. Because this is the word of the Lord. Because you are putting to shame the ordinances, the handwritings on the wall against us, written against us, because you are obliterating them by the blood. Because the blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Over vengeance, the blood speaks justice and mercy. But above all, the Lord God Jesus Christ, by His reason, uh, nature, He has given us victory over all kinds of ordinances. Thank you, Lord God, because you are doing things that only you can do. We worship you for this morning. We thank you with our entire lives, not only with our songs, but the entirety of our being. We say, Lord, we worship you. Be thou exalted in the name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name, O Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Clap for Jesus. Make yourself comfortable. Get your writing materials. Call your friends. Call colleagues. The word of God is about to come. Hallelujah. You will recall that last week we began a new series that were captioned the stars and their scars. Stars and scars. We began last week by considering the life of one particular star, Samson. Just so that you will also remember, our main text for this entire series is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I read from verse 11. The Bible says, Now all these things happen to them as examples. The things that happen to those in the Old Testament books. The Bible says it happened to them as examples. And they were written for admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In verse 12, it says, Therefore let him who thinks it stands take heed, lest he fall. Let him who thinks it stands take heed, lest he fall. The examples of the lives of the people we will be estranged in this series is not for us to laugh at them and laugh at their mistakes. They are human, so they made mistakes. But we have an opportunity to learn from their mistakes and not repeat them. Granted, we will make our mistakes, but let it not be that we are making mistakes that are avoidable. Let it not be that we are falling into traps that have been made obvious by the written word that were written as examples for us for admonition and this is why we will be going to another star today the star of today's message is the man Saul it's not someone that you really call a star and, and I, I believe and understand that is because we have not really known this man very well this man by all standards fit into the profile of the stars we are considering this one turn your bibles with me to the book of first samuel chapter 9 first samuel chapter 9 i'm going to read some verses the Bible says from verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 9, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerah, the son of Bechorath, the son of Aphia, a Benjaminite, a mighty man of power, 
and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open your word this morning, Lord, grant us sight. Open our eyes. Let your words be clear to us. And from the sight you give us, Lord, give us insight into what we need to do based on the information you'll be unveiling to us today. In the name of Jesus, let our ears be open. Baba, Lord God, and I seek that you grant me utterance to communicate your mind clearly and accurately to your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, because you hear me always. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says concerning Saul that this man was the tallest in Israel. Tallest. The Bible says from shoulder up, he was taller than every other person in Israel. I don't know what the average height of the nation of Israel was, but Saul was taller than the average height by a lot. From shoulder up, if you gathered all the men of Israel, the Bible says Saul is that one man you are going to see from his shoulder up. He was taller than them. He was not an ordinary guy. This guy was from a rich family. Look at what the Bible describes in the book of uh, uh, 1 Samuel that we just read. Verse 1, it says, This man is from a mighty man of power. The father of Saul was a mighty man of power. Saul's surname was big. Oh, you would argue, and Saul did argue about that. Oh, my family is from the Benjaminites, and my family is the smallest among the Benjaminites, and I'm just one obscure guy. He was just trying to be modest. The Bible described his family as that of mighty power. He was not an ordinary boy. Saul was the son of a rich dad. Something you will call your Oma Babalowo today. Saul was the son of a very rich man. He was an OBO in his own right. Not just tall and handsome and huge and looking like a military man. The Bible says he was from a very wealthy background. They had servants. They had donkeys. They had every luxury you, can, you could think of at that time. Saul came from such a background. He was not an ordinary guy. Flip to verse 15. I'm going to be reading a lot today. God helping me. Verse 15 of the same First Samuel chapter 9. See what the Bible said. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the end of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? <laughs> I love this. Then Samuel answered and said to Saul, I am the seer. <laughs> you know, this is very funny actually. After God had headhunted Saul, God went to look out for this guy. God had heard the people saying, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. So this was God's answer. I'm going to get you a king. I'm going to get you one of the finest in the land. It's going to be the tallest guy. It's going to be from a good family. Obviously, you must have had good training. They must have, uh, you know, brought him up in a way that is kingly in nature. So when he comes to the office of a king, he will know how to behave himself. So God went to look for him. But God just didn't do it. God went to talk to Samuel. Ahead of time, say, I'm sending someone. I'm sending someone. Referral. God was his own referee. 
God said, I'm sending someone to you. That's special. It's not all the time God does that for people. So God went to speak to Samuel. And I, I love Samuel. If you ask me, Samuel is one of my mentors in scriptures. He's someone I look up to in the area of ministry. Samuel said, the day before Saul came, God spoke to me in my ears. Lord Jesus. I love this. God still speaks to his servants. God spoke to me in my ears. And he said, so, 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 and so is going to happen. And it happened. It was not a guesswork. God was not, you know, guessing. And Samuel was not guessing. There was that kind of understanding that he could discern what God was saying. And it was accurate. It was not a type that would just, you know, make things up. He was hearing from God. And the Bible said, when Saul uh, eventually met uh, Samuel, there was a connection. He could recognize him. Saul didn't know Samuel. But Samuel could recognize him because God had told him, I'm sending a man. Bible says when Saul approached Samuel, he was asking Samuel, excuse me, sir, I'm looking for the prophet, the seer called Samuel. And Samuel said, well, I'm the person you're looking for. This is another thing that I really find very intriguing and very interesting. In fact, something to emulate about Samuel. Samuel was such an anointed man of God, yet he could, you know, blend with the people. It was not obvious that this was the revered prophet Samuel, the man that hears from God. In fact, the man that has been hearing from God since he was a child. Remember how Samuel in Eli's house started hearing God when God abandoned and started to bypass Eli the prophet. This is a man that has got a lot of experience hearing God, working with God. And he was still very ordinary. He could easily be mistaken among the people. They needed to ask him directly, are you the one we are looking for? Say, yes. I'm the Samuel you must have heard about. But I'm here to usher you into what you are going into. So, this for me was very special. God had to enhance Saul and he needed to connect him with his servant for mentorship, for guidance, for leadership. Saul was a star by all standards. Saul was an anointed man. And if you doubt that, let's open scriptures and see. Go to verse 27 to verse 27 of the same First uh, Samuel chapter 9. I read, the Bible says, And they were going down to the outskirts of the city, that is Saul and Samuel. So Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servants to go on ahead. And he went on, But you stand here a while, that I may announce to you the word of God. Listen, gentlemen and ladies, this is one thing that I find very interesting. Hmm? When God wants to give you very specific and personal information, He needs to isolate you. Hmm? The Bible said, Saul was asked to let his servant go forward. Release the servant. Let him keep walking in front. Stay with me. Stay with me. There are things God wants to tell you. He will not tell you in the crowd. Of course, there are things he will tell you in the crowd. There are manifestations you will see in the crowd. But certain very important and vital areas of your life, he will call you to a corner. So Saul was called to a corner by someone. And someone began to tell him about the things that God was going to do. He said, tell your servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, it is is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from the city today, you will find two men, blah, blah, blah. He gave him signs. The anointing of God came upon him. So sometimes we feel that it's just oil. Mm. The oil was symbolic of something. It was symbolic of an anointing that came upon him. Not everyone can start something new. The anointing enabled 
uh, Saul to start something new. Saul was a pioneer, the very first king of Israel. Nobody in Israel knew what being a king of Israel would look like. So Saul had to start everything. The office of a king, the apparel of a king, the staff of the king, the structure, the military, you know, the taxes you will take, the royalties you will get, everything about how to run that government. Nobody had done it before in Israel. God trusted Saul with it. He comes with the anointing. You know, you see three categories of people anointed in scriptures. You see kings, you see prophets, right? And of course, you see us, those of us who carry the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We, the ordinary men, the general people who carry the Holy Ghost. In this age and time, it was not everybody that had the privilege of carrying the Holy Ghost. So God would anoint kings and he would anoint prophets. Of course, Prophet Samuel was anointed by God. Not because somebody poured oil on his head, but because the Spirit of God had rested upon him and he had grown in a relationship with him. So here he was transferring something to the first king of Israel. So, and that enabled him to put certain structures in place. That only comes by the anointing. The Holy Spirit came upon uh, Saul. If you read verse 6 of First Samuel chapter 10, I'm using this to build a case that Saul indeed was a star. In verse 10 of, I mean, yeah, in verse 6 of First Samuel chapter 10, the Bible says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. A quick background. Between this statement and what we read before, the Bible said after Saul was called aside by Samuel and he gave him certain information, he gave him signs. He said, as you are going, I know you came here looking for your father's donkeys. He said, but see, the donkey issue is a very small issue. Those donkeys have been found. In fact, as you leave here now, you said you will meet some people. They will offer you bread and wine. He said, take it. He said, you will meet some people on the way. They will tell you that the donkeys have been found. Blah, blah, blah. I said, but very importantly, you will meet a band of prophets. He said, from that time, anything your hand finds to do, do it as the occasion demands. Do as the occasion uh, demands from you. And from that moment, Saul began to work in extraordinary things. He began to build military power, military strategies, military command. From that moment, the anointing became active in his life. In fact, you will see some of the signs of the anointing on, on Saul. At that point, was discretion. If you read the same 1 Samuel chapter 10, starting from verse 14, discretion became very evident in the life of Saul. Bible says concerning Saul, it said, Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? You know, there are some village people. They always want to monitor you, but their, their binoculars are not working well. So they use you as the tool to divulge your information. And many of us are not very wise. We do not help them. In fact, we not only help them, we give them full information. Everything you are doing is on social media, even pull location, so they know where to find you if they need to strike. So this uncle was asking Samuel, I mean Saul, where did you go? So Saul uh, replied, so he said, to look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. Eh? And Saul's uncle did not stop. He continued. Saul's uncle said, tell me, please, what did Samuel say to you? <laughs> Verse 16. The Bible says, So Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. Listen. The Bible says, But about the matter of the kingdom, 
he did not tell him what Samuel had said. There are some people, if you tell them what God had told you beforehand, they will make sure they derail you so that what God has said will not come to pass. Not that God has changed his mind, but they will force you, compel you, and confuse you from doing your own part of the bargain. What is required to make God's word to come to pass. So Samuel here, I mean Saul here, I beg your pardon, exercise discretion. Because at this point, he had only been anointed in private. He had not been crowned king in public. Listen to me, young people. There is a difference. You can be anointed in private. There is a time gap between when you will be made king in public. This exact thing played out in the life of uh, David. If you go to chapter 16 of this same book, you will see, of course, he was anointed in a family ceremony in his house, but he did not become king until maybe about 13 years later anointed king in public and proclaimed king. So there's a difference. Some people will never be proclaimed king if they don't know how to manage the time between when they were anointed in private and when they need to be announced to the world. I stopped there. This is not my message, but this is for somebody. Listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Don't jump out there and say, oh, I know what God has told me in private. And you go out there and begin to make announcements that is not right for the time. If you go, you can break your leg. Something like this almost happened to some people in scriptures. They jumped out before their time and they froze before they could even do anything. That will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. Let me go on with the message. The Bible says concerning Saul in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9. If you read verse 21, the Bible talked about his display of humility. These are some of the signs you see that the Holy Spirit had come upon somebody. You see in um, this same chapter 10, if you read from verse um, 20 to 24 you see on the day of his coronation Saul went to hide he did not even want the glam you know the, the, the pomp of being out there in the face of all the cameras and the limelight Saul was such a man that was so humble he ran away from all that Saul began to express things coming from the anointing of the Holy Ghost if you see from 1 Samuel chapter 11 let's go on go on with our reading First Samuel chapter 11, if I go to verse 5. The Bible says, Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, What troubles the people? That they weep. That is compassion. Ha. One of the triggers of ministry is compassion. So here we see him becoming compassionate. He saw a people that were weeping. They didn't talk to him. He went to talk to them. Guys, what's happening? Why is everybody down? Why are they weeping? The Bible says, And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. The men of Jabesh had come to tell them, Guys, we're going to remove your eyes to prove that you are now our servants. And Saul said, No, this will not happen under my watch. The Bible says, After that, Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So from that moment, you began to see expression of the anointing upon the life of Saul. Saul was doing fantastically well. He went ahead by the power of God, defeated the Ammonites. There were many of them, but Saul was able to mobilize people. He mobilized them and they went ahead and destroyed the camp of the Ammonites. Killed people. This was even before his coronation. Just by reason of the anointing. Remember, by the reason of the anointing also, David defeated Goliath by reason of the anointing, not because of the title. Ha, ah, Lord Jesus. And this is something I need to quickly put out there. Some of you wait... Uh, for title before you do what God has called you to do. In the quietness and the obscurity of having no title, there are a lot of things you can do without announcing yourself. Without announcing yourself. The Bible says concerning Saul, before the day of coronation, coronation is in chapter 12, by the way, this is chapter 11, before the coronation, the Spirit of God moved him to do something. To do something. 
Some of us will not walk until we are given title. May the Lord help us. The Bible says concerning him, he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he began to do things. But shortly after this, shortly after the coronation, just two years into the kingdom, our superstar King Saul went astray. Lord Jesus, help us. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. This is a sobering moment. If you read from verse 11, you will see how Saul began this ugly descent into the states that none of us should pray to enter into. Read from verse 11. 1 Samuel chapter 13. The Bible says, And Samuel said, What have you done? What have you done? Remember, after the coronation and everything started going well, and Saul started building the kingdom, you know, first year, he did well. Then the second year, towards the end of the second year, something began to happen. The Philistines said, eh, it's like this Israelites, they've finally woken up. It's like they have a leader now. Let's go and test them. Let's go and fight against them. So they had a garrison. The Philistines had already blocked one place and they were camping there to say we are going to attack these Israelites. Oh, because they think they have the tallest guy around. We are going to defeat them. You think say, now only you get tall person. We have tall people too. And we are going to amass ourselves against you. And we are going to fight against you. So it was only natural for Saul to be afraid. It was natural. If you read from the beginning, I don't have enough time to go into all of it. You will see Saul was not able to get a lot of people. The Bible said he was only able to get 3,000 men. Hmm? Saul had 3,000 men to fight against Philistines. The Bible says the Philistines had 30,000 chariots. 3 versus 30. Ratio of 1 to 10. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand. That is, the people were without number. They were just many. So they have come to fight against Saul and his people who were just 3,000 men. So Saul had, you know, a natural reason to be terrified. But not without reason. See what the Lord said. God had told him by his servants, say, wait here, on the seventh day, I will come and offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. Then after that, you will go and fight. Because when we come to offer sacrifices and we inquire from the Lord, we seek the face of the Lord, it's going to give us strategies. The strategy may not involve you using these 3,000 men. And we will see later in the lives of the various kings that came after Saul that it was not necessarily about numbers. In fact, if you had gone behind and checked the book of Judges, you would have seen how God did several things without using number. You will recall from last week how Samson, one man, defeated 1,000 people without a sophisticated instrument. So God may or may not use your numbers. God will do as he pleases as a strategy for that moment requires. So Saul did not wait. So when Samuel came, after the seventh day, Samuel came late. Samuel came late by human standards. So you will say, oh, Saul had an excuse. The Bible said, when Saul when Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Mikmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Giga and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered bond offering, Lord Jesus. Disobedience. Say, wait, I 
the prophet and priest of this nation. My roles and responsibilities are clear. It is my job to come and offer sacrifice. Inquire from the Lord. Make supplication to the Lord. Before you, the general and king, we do your military thing. Say there is partnership, but there is division of labor. In this system, the people have defined roles. Do not violate the lies that have been written. Stay in your lane as king and leader of the army, the commander of the armies. I will stay in my lane as the priest and prophet, the one who brings the people's request to God. I will come on the seventh day. But he couldn't wait. Why could Saul not wait? The same reason Saul could not wait is the same reason the youth of this generation cannot wait. It's the same reason we are giving excuses for. For our disobedience. Adam disobeyed God. God banished him from Garden of Eden. Who do you think you are? If you disobey that, God will not banish you from privileges that he has in stock for you. This is why we need to study the man Saul and how he began to sink. The Bible said he gave three excuses. Number one, the people scattered from me. The people scattered from me. One of the things that is prevalent in our generation is approval of the people. Endorsement of the people. Acclamation from the people that we are doing fine. So if nobody tells you you are doing well, you don't know that you are doing well. You are waiting for people to tell you that. At this point in time, Saul had very few uh, soldiers, 3,000. If you read the last uh, verse of the same book, 1 Samuel 13, you will see by the end, he had only 600 men left. So 2,400 of them, they have Japa, as they say on the streets. They have left him. So, you know, he was feeling, I'm losing followers online. <laughs> I had 3,000 followers. Now, my followers have become 600. Don't I think it's time for me to, to help myself and do something? Let me quickly do something. This is, was exactly what Saul did. His number of followers were reducing. He said, let me do something to help this. The people who were hailing him and supporting him, the people he could count on, the people he could count on were reducing. He said, let me help God. Let me do something. Let me do something. We are in that space today. There are times that the things that you, you have put your hope on, you see that it's going down. And you want to do something. You want to do something. The, the gentlemen that have been coming around to me, you know, asking me if I'd like to date them, you know, they have stopped coming. It's like I've reached that part of my life where it looks as if the guys are no longer coming and I'm getting older. Can I do something? The people who are showing interest, they are reducing. Should I do something? I've been doing this business and I've been making money, I've been saving money, but economy is bad and things are going down and I see my accounts going down. Should I do a little yahoo yahoo something? Should I do small rounds because this money, pocket money that my parents are giving me is no longer enough? Should I do something just to show it up a bit? So did something. It landed him down. May that not be your portion in the name of Jesus. Saul had excuses. Saul told Samuel, you came late. You came late. It's your fault that I have to do something. You came late. We are telling God the same thing. 
God, you said I should follow you and you will, you will come on time for me and everything will be rosy. I will get my admission, my admission at the right time. I will get my husband at the right time. I will get my job at the right time. I will travel abroad at the right time. Blah, 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 blah. But God, you came late. God, you are late. Look at my time. My days are flying. I'm 30 today. I'm 37. I'm 38. God, you are late. I need to do something. God is not late. His timing is not yours. He's not moved or bounded or constrained by our time. He created time. A thousand years before him. It's not like a moment. A moment like a thousand years. So you really don't know about his calendar and timetable. Are you God's planner? You don't know the point on that planner where your little dot is located. In its time, God makes all things beautiful. You don't get to decide what time God shows up and when he doesn't show up. When he shows up, it all counts. And all the waiting will be worth it. So Saul couldn't wait. He said, Samuel, you came late. You are the reason I'm doing all this. I didn't want to sleep around. But since no man is coming and I'm getting older, I have to help myself. Let somebody just give me Bele and I change my surname. Or just give me a child and I move on. Or let me just quickly cheat in this exam and I move on. Let me quickly do something, falsify my age to get this job and I move on. They want younger people. Let me reduce my age so that I can get this job and I move on. We have all kinds of excuses. God came late, so I need to help God. The creator of heaven and earth, you said he came late. He's not late. When he shows up, all the waiting will no longer matter. Because you will be settled. You will be settled. So Lord, another excuse. Oh, the enemies have gathered against me. My village people are all around me. There's nothing else I can do. I have to compromise. Me too, I have to go and meet one Baba somewhere. We need to do this run somewhere. We need to get this charm somewhere. We need to cut this corner somewhere. Because there are forces against me. If I wait, they are going to destroy me. I need to look for extra power somewhere. I need to do something unethical somewhere. Because the enemies are against me. Don't be like so. Those excuses will not take you far. If you continue reading, verse 13, Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. He said, you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. The Lord had commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gideon Benjamin and Saul numbered the people present within, about 600 men. Samuel told him, he said, you have done a foolish thing. Even though you have excuses to do it, you have done a foolish thing. From that moment, Saul's life began to go down. As a matter of fact, even though Saul was the pathfinder for what it means to be a king, from that moment he lost his own way. He lost his path. It was as if his GPS signal was lost. Saul began to misbehave. He began to do things that only kept him on the downward trend. The Bible 
Bible says concerning Sam, uh, Saul, although he was the first king of Israel, his relevance began to win. He still remains king. Read your Bible. Several years, over a decade after this incident, when God had rejected him to be king, he continued to parade himself as king. But he began to lose relevance. From that moment, God chose a captain. God is not the author of confusion. He won't choose two kings at once. So yes, you can be king, King Saul. I will choose a captain who will do the work of the leader. So God went to choose David. The Bible said concerning David that the people knew that it was him that led them in and led them out to battles. He was their real leader. Saul from that moment became a figurehead leader. The Bible said concerning him, God withdrew his Holy Spirit from him. An evil spirit from God came upon Saul and began to torment him continually. Saul began to fight against God. He began to fight against David. Everything David did was bad in Saul's sight. He wanted to kill him. God already told him, I've chosen a man that is better than you. He started fighting that man. Even though that man was his ally. That man was fighting battles on behalf of the kingdom. Saul kept fighting him. Saul kept trying to kill him. This is what happens when we lose our track, when we lose our way. Saul began to seek help from the devil. He went to a necromancer, the witch of Endor. He said, call the spirit of the dead for me. Kai! Can you imagine that level? A man that was anointed by God, ordained as the first king of Israel. He has gone so much down. He needed help from evil spirits that he himself banished from the land. This is what happens. Of course, we know how Saul ended. And this is not the way we must end in life. Saul ended up committing suicide in enemy territory. He went to fight a battle. God was no longer with him. And he was struck in the battle and they were going to kill him. For his ego and dignity, Saul would not allow himself to be killed by enemies. So he told his armor bearer, kill me. That one said, I cannot kill you. My job is to protect you, not to kill you. The Bible said he jumped on his own sword and killed himself. Of course, the armor bearer did the same. I said, how will I explain that my, my boss died? So the armor bearer killed himself too. Saul died in enemy territory. Saul died while fighting a battle, knowing that God had already left him. David raised the lamentation concerning him. He said, how are the mighty fallen? Saul was a mighty man, tall and anointed, a pace setter, a pathfinder for Israel. But he lost his way. He lost his way. He had scars that could not be healed. Those scars killed him at the end. May that not be your portion. Can you please, wherever you are now, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want to pray for myself. And I'd like you to, to pray for yourself. I will not end up like Saul. I will not end up like Saul. Saul's life started on a very good note. But he ended on a very poor note. This will not be my portion. I want you to take time out, two, three minutes to pray. Two, three minutes. I want you to pray for yourself. Lord Jesus, I will not end up like Saul. The excuses of Saul, I will not give them. I will not be pressured by the people. Peer pressure will not force me to disobey you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I will not lose your covering under the guise of peer pressure. In the name of Jesus Christ, I will wait patiently for you. I will wait for you. I will not do as I like. I will not cut corners. I will not do what I'm not authorized to do. I will not disobey you in the name of Jesus Christ. I refuse to be terrified by the situations around me. I refuse to be terrified by the enemy forces around me. I choose to stand on your word. 
I choose to stand in obedience to your commandment. I wait on you. I wait on you. In the name of Jesus Christ, my life will not end like that of Saul. In the name of Jesus Christ, the end of Saul was bitter. My life will not end on a bitter note. In the name of Jesus, pray for yourself. My life will not end on a bitter note. In the name of Jesus, I will not become a case study in business school about how life can be miserable for somebody. In the name of Jesus Christ, the glory that you have begun to show in my life will not wait. In the name of Jesus, I'm standing on the right footing from today. In the name of Jesus, I keep going forward. I will not go backward. My life will not retrogress. In the name of Jesus Christ, I refuse to give in to peer pressure. In the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters, I hope you are praying. Pray for yourself that you will not bow to peer pressure. You will not bow to people pressure. In the name of Jesus, you will not bow to followership pressure. In the name of Jesus, you will not be intimidated by what is against you. In the name of Jesus Christ, when those enemy forces rise, a scripture will come to you that will encourage you to keep you standing in the face of opposition. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will not end up poorly. In the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Our Father, we bless your holy name for this morning. We thank you for the life of soul that you have stretched to us. We pray, Lord God, that we will not make the mistakes of soul. In the name of Jesus Christ, the excuses that lead to disobedience, we will not embrace them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we will finish well. We will finish strong. In the name of Jesus Christ, the end of our lives will not be worse than the beginning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we will stand on a trajectory of progress, not retrogression. In the name of Jesus Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Put your hands together for Jesus. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. God bless you. Just before I leave, I want to make a very special announcement. By the grace of God today and in a couple of minutes from now, 11 a.m. exactly. Please join us as we go to our lead, lead of young professionals. We are having a webinar today. We started something on this last month. Today is our second edition. Today's topic is called bright but broke and many of us are in that situation we are bright intelligent have a good education good future good job but we are broke we are broke not because the devil wants us to be broke sometimes we are broke for lack of the right knowledge of what to do about our financial life today join very seasoned speakers Pastor Pedro Mortwemen and uh, Pastor Binta Masbinije, they will be speaking to us. These are not just pastors. These are people who are accomplished in the financial sector world. They have risen to the top of their careers and they have very godly advice on how we should manage our finances. I know you'll be blessed. Don't come along. Uh, the link will also be provided on our social media handles. Please follow us there and join the live session. God bless you. And we'll meet next week to conclude this series on stars and scars. We go to our next star and scar. Don't come alone, invite your friends, and God bless you as we see you. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store. And also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dowder Street, off Eric Moore, Lagos. God bless you.